The following message is brought to you by Baltimore Bible Church. For more information about this ministry, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. So now let's open our Bibles and follow along as we loose the scriptures and let them speak. Good afternoon, church. Thank you, Pastor Paul. That was a blessing. It's good to be with you. I only have one thing to say about your pastor, and that is he is an endangered species. <laughs> to have a faithful man of God who is unashamed and unafraid to stand behind the pulpit, to stand on the street corner, to stand by the bedside and open the Word of God and bring the healing power of God's sufficient Word to the life, whether it wants it or not, is an endangered species. I love him too. And I'm blessed by him too. Praise the Lord. And so feeding right off of Pastor Paul's wonderful exposition of Ephesians 4, I'll build right off of what he said. If what he just showed us is true, and it is from Ephesians 4 and throughout the Scriptures, that leadership in the church matters most, and it does, then what do you think would be one of the primary missions God has given to the church? If leadership and having the right leaders in the church is one of the primary ways in which the church is protected and preserved for generations to come, then what do you think would be one of God's designs, no better yet, one of God's mandates, one of God's missions for the church would be? It is to raise up future leaders for the church. It is paramount. It is primary. It cannot be overstated. And that's what this passage in 2 Timothy is all about. Turn in your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, just verses 1 and 2 will serve as a quick exposition for this afternoon, but building ever so clearly off of what Paul has so helpfully taught us already. Here in this passage, the Apostle Paul solemnly charges his son in the faith, Timothy, with what is for Timothy a primary mission in his life. The letter of 2 Timothy, you'll remember, is, is written by the Apostle Paul from a Roman dungeon with death at his very door. Paul is writing this letter with the very thought that this could be, and very likely is, the last correspondence he will have with his son in the faith. And therefore, like everyone, if you know that death is imminent, you gather your family around, you gather your loved ones close by, you write letters, you do what it is that you need to do, and you tell them what? You tell them what matters most. You tell them what you need to tell them because you know your time is short. Isn't it interesting that one of the primary truths that Paul set to, wanted to remind Timothy about was this. Timothy, I'm about to die, but don't stop being busy about raising up future leaders for the church. Yes, Paul is clear that this training up of leaders now in the church 
so that there would be future leaders in the church later was primary, and it was important, and so it must be for us. You follow along in God's Word as I read these two verses aloud. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, hear the Word of the Lord. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard in, from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What we have here in this text is something that we can find throughout the text of Scripture, and it is this. We have before us a very clear multi-generational mission, a multi-generational mission, or you could even say mandate given from Christ to Paul and now to Timothy. Timothy was charged by Paul to be busy about the training of men today in the church so that there would be continued training of men in the years to come, generations to come, multi-generational ministry, a multi-generational mission. And dear loved ones, let me tell you, every single one of us, every single one of you under the sound of my voice are involved, are called to be involved, and are part of multi-generational missions. This is huge, and yet sadly, this is sadly hardly known and embraced in the church today. God's design for the propagation of truth from one generation to another, has always been multi-generational. It's always gone from above to below. It's always gone from a mentor to a student who then becomes the mentor to another student, and it just keeps going. This has always been God's design. You can see this multi-generational mission and mandate multiple times and ways in Scripture. Let me just give you two, and then we'll get to our text. Number one, if you're here and you're a parent, You have been charged by God in a multi-generational mission. God has charged you in His holy word with the awesome responsibility to be a river, not a reservoir. He has charged you to be the divine UPS package man that He gave you the gospel to deliver it to your children. Now, I don't know about you if you buy uh, packages like I do all the time off of Amazon and you're waiting for the Amazon person to arrive. How effective is that, is that delivery person if he looks at your package and says, I kind of like this. I think I'm going to keep it for myself. And yet that happens in the church all the time. Parents, you are involved. You are called. You are charged by God to take the precious gift of the gospel and not keep it for yourself, but to obey it, to grow in it for, for really one ultimate reason. Malachi 2.15 says this very clearly. Why did God give Israel their offspring? So that they would raise godly children. He gave them their children so that they might pass the truth down to them. This was commanded in Deuteronomy 6, 1-9, that Moses was given the law by God, and then Moses taught it to the parents, and the parents were commanded to teach it to the children. And then Deuteronomy 4 says, not even the children, but the children's children. If you're a parent, that same reality is commanded in Ephesians 6, 4, where we, we, are, we are commanded to raise our children, to pass the baton of gospel truth. And here you go, even more than that, to seek with all that we have to raise up gospel ministers where we teach our children so that they may become future leaders and ministers in the church. That's a multi-generational mission. 
Now, what Paul just taught us is the second one that involves all of us. So if you're not a parent and you're single or, or uh, you're just sitting here going, wow, I'm glad that's not me. Well, this one is you. The next one is because the Bible is clear. Not only are parents charged with this multi-generational mission, but so is every individual. Every individual believer in the church is, is charged, is commanded to both be discipled and to be discipling. This is truth. We can't get away from it. Matthew 28, right? 18 to 20 commands us what? To be about not just evangelism, not just sharing the gospel, but also discipling those whom God has saved, teaching them to obey all that God has commanded, teaching them to walk in the truth. That's discipleship, helping them grow in sanctification and holiness. This is a massive part of our life. This is a massive part of our calling as Christians, not simply to come and be like the tick on a dog's back who soaks up truth all the time and, be, and swells up. You've seen that nasty picture, right? We got too many of those in the church, right? We're not to be like that. We're to come and enjoy the truth so that we can give it out. That's the purpose of it. We're to be discipled. We're to be listeners, and then we're to be teachers. All of us, in some form or fashion, are to be discipled by someone and then discipling others, and that's multi-generational, and the Bible is clear about that. You can see a very sweet picture of this in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, where you see Paul teaches Titus, Titus teaches the elders of the church, who then go out and what? Teach the older men to what? Teach the younger. Teach the older women to teach the younger. What is that? That's the multi-generational mission of the maturation of the church. That's God's design. But there's another one, and it's our text right here. It is the multi-generational mission of leadership development. It is the multi-generational mission of raising up future leaders in the church today so that there would be continued faithful gospel ministers in the church tomorrow. And that is what we're called to. That is what the Shepherd's Institute is. And that comes straight out of our text right here in front of us. Now, this calling for Timothy is a calling for all of us. It is a mandate given by God. It is a mission every single church, whether they know it or not, have been charged by God to be involved in. Thankfully, our three churches are uniting together in this, and it is a blessing. A blessing that we don't have to try to do this alone. A blessing that we can partner together in this. And so what I want us to see from this passage, how am I doing? Is the miracle happening? Keep praying. What I, want us, what I want us to see from this passage, okay? Three. Three aspects. Three truths that we must embrace if we are going to be faithful. If you're going to be faithful, this is the, the, the implications of this. Okay, listen to me. If you're a parent, they, they hit you. This is good. If you're an individual discipler, these are for you as well. And if you're training up men, most assuredly, right here in the text, this is for us. Three important aspects of faithfully passing on gospel ministry to the next generation. What will this involve? What must we have if we're going to be faithful to this multi-generational mission? Three. Here's three words. You write them down because I'm going to go fast. Number one, fuel. We've got to have the right strength for the task. Fuel. He's going to say that. He's going to, he's going to command Timothy to be strengthened. You've got to have the right fuel to fulfill the mission. 
Number two, foundation. You've got to pass on the right baton. What Paul is describing here for Timothy is a marathon relay race. You don't finish it. I don't finish it. Christ started it. He handed it off to Paul. Paul now is handing it off to Timothy. Timothy handed it off to other men who handed it off to other men who down that long line finally handed it off to these three men right now who are handing it off to you on so many levels. But the question is, what are we handing off? So many times in the relay race, sadly, men will throw away the gold baton of gospel truth and pick up the candy cane of cultural myths. We can't do that. So we need to have the right foundation if we're going to be faithful. And then lastly, we need to have the right focus. Focus. You follow along. Look at verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here, what you have is, is, is Paul exhorting Timothy, but he's doing it in a tender way. You then, my child. Now, if we had time, I could take us back into the context because really, that's really what he's doing. He's saying, you then, my child. And you have to go back to, to uh, chapter 1 and you have to see why this emphatic you is there. And it's there because Paul has just given a negative contrast, and now he's going to give a positive comparison. He's saying, you then, my son, don't be like, don't be like Philetus, Philetus and Hermogenes. Do not be like them. Why? Because Phygelus and Hermogenes, what did they do? They abandoned the gospel ministry when it got hard. They were ashamed of the chains of Paul. They were ashamed of the persecution that being a preacher of truth brought. So when the heat came, they ran. And what he is saying, you then, my son, do not be like Phygelus and Hermogenes. However, you then, my son, you be like Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus did not turn, turn tail and run. Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my change. Onesiphorus was a faithful man who refreshed me and who refreshed the churches because he remained a faithful servant even amidst suffering. See, Timothy is being tempted to quit. He's being tempted to turn tail. He's being tempted to say, this is, I can't take it. I can't handle this. And Paul is saying, no, though, no, you then, my son. It is not the time to quit. It is the time to be faithful. Be like Onesiphorus. You then, my child. Here it is. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, son, you don't need to be scared. You need to be strengthened. You don't need to, to turn and run. You need to turn to Christ. You need to be strengthened. Notice, this is the fuel. This is the fuel. Those other men that left, they were serving in self-strength. He is telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to serve in the strength that Christ provides. Notice the command, be strengthened. This is an interesting word on multiple levels. It's a command. It's, it's an imperative mood. It's present in that it is... It is ongoing. Literally, it means, Timothy, be strengthened and keep being strengthened. But what's interesting, even more interesting, it's in the passive form. What does that mean? Why does that matter? It's massive. Because Timothy can't strengthen himself. Meaning, this can't, this isn't, he's not telling Timothy, don't miss this. He's not telling Timothy, come on, Timothy, buck up, pull your bootstraps, bootstraps up, keep going, Timothy, try harder. No. He's like, Timothy, you need to stop trying to do this yourself, and you need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
You need to stop looking to your situation and look to the grace of Christ. It's passive. He's saying, Timothy, this strength cannot come from you. This strength is is not of you. This strength is of God through Christ that has already been given to you. And Paul has already talked about this strength multiple times in chapter 1. I don't have time to go there, but I encourage you to go back and look. It's an abounding grace. It's It's a potent grace. It's a sufficient grace. It's a sovereign grace. I encourage you to go back and look at this. But what he's telling Timothy is you need to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now notice the means of this grace is Christ Jesus. It is the, it is the sovereign, sufficient, saving, and sanctifying grace that is only found in Christ Jesus. It is as if God has the conduit of His riches of mercy by which He pours them into our life through Christ. The Bible makes it clear that all the heavenly blessings have already been given to us who believe in Christ. He's saying, Timothy, you need to turn back to Christ. You need, here it is, I'll cut to the chase. Timothy, you need to be fueled. You need to be strengthened. You need to be empowered. You need to grow in your ability to fulfill the, cl- to fulfill the mission by being a man who's in awe of grace. How? This is, the, this is the good question. How, how is one strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus? I'm glad you asked. It's not by trying harder. It's by living more in faithful obedience to the Word. He's like, Timothy, you need to go back to the simple, faithful obedience to what you've been called to do and just look to Christ. This is exactly what Jesus declared in John 15. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You are the, I am the vine, you are the branch. You've got to stay connected. He's saying, Timothy, connect with Christ. You have already been given this grace. He has already saved you. He will sanctify you. And he has promised to sustain you. Now, Timothy, rejoice in this grace. Focus on this grace. Grow in this grace. And this is how we are strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As we rejoice in the grace that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. When you become a person in awe of grace, you are a person perpetually strengthened. So when difficulty comes, you don't complain, you rejoice. This is what Paul did. Didn't Paul have to learn this lesson much like Timothy does? Thorn in the flesh. Lord, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Likely persecution in gospel ministry, just like Timothy. Take it away, Lord. No, I'm not going to take it away. It's for your benefit. Keep it, Lord. Keep it. Because when I am weak, then I'll be strong. Why? Why will you be strong, Paul, in the midst of your weakness? Because Paul learned how to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because when his self-strength ends and he finally starts depending on the Lord, he trusts in the power and the strength of the Lord to live his life. So often in ministry, we depend on our own strength, our own ingenuity, our own ideas, our own abilities, rather than the grace that is given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul is encouraging Timothy to get back to the means of grace. Go back to remembering the gospel. Go back to to focusing on who Christ is and what Christ has done for you. And Paul did this time and time again, and that's why he rejoices in the grace of God. That's why he says, the Lord strengthened me in chapter 4, verse 17. At the end of this letter, he says, everyone abandoned me at my trial, but no worries. The Lord was there, and he strengthened me. Listen. 
when you are a person who lives in awe of God's grace, when you are a person who is overwhelmed by God's grace, you are a person who will always be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But so often we are overwhelmed in a, in a bad way by our circumstances, by our inability, by our insufficiency. None of us are sufficient for this task, but God makes us sufficient in Christ. That's the fuel that Timothy's going to need if he's going to be faithful to this mission. Now, look at the foundation. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Oh, this is, this is good. Notice, he says, Timothy, this is what you're going to pass on. Not your own musings, not your own myths, but that which I have given to you. Timothy, you're not in the business of telling uh, these men stories that you have concocted or ideas that you have come up with. Timothy, the only thing you are charged to pass on is that which I have passed on to you. That which you have heard from me. That which you have seen modeled by me. That which you have seen patterned before you. That is what you pass on. That's the baton. And Paul says, I didn't make it up. Because, as he says in Galatians 1, 11 and 12, he says, I didn't get this gospel from any man. I received it from Christ. So, literally, Christ hands the baton of gospel ministry to Paul. Paul now passes it on to Timothy, who is then to take that same Gospel truth that was given, the teachings of Christ, which is revealed in the Scriptures, that is what Timothy is to pass on. That's the foundation that we must continue to stand upon and spread if we're going to be faithful to multi-generational mission. This is what you pour into your children, dear loved ones. This is uh, what you point your, your, the person you're discipling to. You point them to the found doctrinal foundation that is found in the Scriptures. Sound doctrine. This is what Timothy is to be passing on. This is the foundation of his ministry. What he had heard from Paul and what had been confirmed. Look at it in the text. In the presence of many witnesses. It had been confirmed by many. Many others were doing the same thing. Paul, Paul tells Timothy, you're not alone, Timothy. It seems like it, but it's been confirmed. There are many other witnesses. Silas is with us. Luke is with us. Onesiphorus is with us. Right? Barnabas is with us. Timothy, you've walked with us from all the towns, just like we have been driving around and we're getting ready to go to Bowie. And we drove all the way from Delaware. I was thinking, man, this is kind of like Paul and Acts, and we're running from town to town. And somebody preaches a little long and takes... They have, to, they have to go. That's, that was me last time, so that's not Paul. That's why we were probably late getting here. But It's like, I guarantee you that happened with them, too. I mean, one guy fell out of the window because Paul preached so long. So, Thank you. Amen. Did you hear that? I love you, sister. Amen. But this is the, this is the reality, right? He's like... Timothy, remember, we're, we're in this. You've heard this not only from me, but many other witnesses. It's been confirmed. Timothy, seal, seal your resolve to stay focused on gospel ministry, of passing it on to the next generation. Timothy, you need to be fueled by grace. And Timothy, you need to remain focused on the foundation of the gospel. Why? Because a few verses later, what are we going to see? We're going to see again men, men who swerved away, Hymenaeus and Philetus. What, is, what does it say they did? They swerved away from the foundation. They tried to build another foundation. They threw away the gold between 
baton given by God, and they picked up that candy cane from the culture. They came up with their own myths. They came up with their own ideas. This happens all the time in the training of men. We must never do that. We must stick to that which has been given to us by our mentors, who who was given to them by their mentors, who ultimately came from Christ, and that's His Word. And He's telling Timothy, stick with the foundation. And then lastly, if we're going to be faithful in this multi-generational mission as a church, as parents, as individual disciples, we must be fueled by grace. We must have the foundation being the doctrines of Christ, i.e. the teachings that come from Christ, His Word. And then thirdly, you see it right here in the text. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We had our second verb in the text, entrust. We saw be strengthened, now we see entrust. And now this is, this is the point. This is what he's been leading up to. This word is so important in the text. And it literally speaks of having a priceless, precious gift of infinite value that is now handed over to someone else for safekeeping. That's, you got to get this right or you're not going to understand the enormity and the responsibility in this mission. He says, Timothy, I want you to entrust. Entrust what? Entrust the gospel message and the gospel ministry, which is priceless. It's of infinite value. There's nothing that can compare to it. Why? Because the gospel was purchased for us by the very precious, infinite blood of Christ himself. Therefore, there's nothing more precious than the gospel because the gospel comes through us, through Christ, and then what is, the, what is the offspring of the gospel? The precious sheep of Christ. So the entire ministry is precious and priceless and valuable. And he says, you got to look for faithful men whom which you can entrust this message and this ministry. Men who will not turn away from it. Men who will not, uh, shall we say, twist it. Men who will not minimize it. And men who will always guard it, protect it, do all they can to keep it the way Christ gave it to us. I dare say that this is one of the biggest problems in the modern church is that men have been given gospel ministry that know nothing about entrusting it. They know nothing about the priceless, precious value of the gospel and the ministry of the gospel. I was thinking about how to, how to illustrate this as I was wrestling with this in my mind. And, and I couldn't think of a good one because... This is so rich and so deep, and you got to get this, especially you men who are in the training institute and are considering being leaders and elders. Listen to me when I say this. Men, you will never, ever be ready for ministry until you begin. Notice I said the word begin. Begin to understand the priceless value and precious treasure of the gospel. Until you get there, you are not ready. Do not take up the mantle of gospel ministry. You will hurt people. You will twist it. You will defect. So what's an illustration that might nail this for us? I couldn't think of one, and then I did. And you'll get it. Because we gotta, as a church, we've got to take this serious. We've got to find the right man 
We've got to raise up the right men. We can't just hand this off willy-nilly to anybody, to a warm body that just says, hey, I'll, I'll go preach for you. Praise the Lord. We've been looking for somebody. We don't need that. We got enough of that. What illustrates this? Here you go. Think about it. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is the sobriety and the solemnity of the moment. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? You ever been to a wedding? Well, listen, if you've ever been to one of my weddings, I'll do something you've probably never seen. There you go. When that moment comes, I ask three questions. And everybody thinks, what? I've never heard this before. It's usually shuffle that, shuffle that old guy out of here as fast as you can. No, not if we're going to do this biblically. Because that old guy has been striving hard all of his life, if he's a godly man, to protect one of the most precious, priceless gifts God ever gave him, his daughter. And he has worked hard to bring her to this moment. And we must sit here and let that soak in for a moment. Because what happens in that moment of that transaction from that man to that young man is he is charging that man. Listen, if we got this right, at that moment, the guy's all excited because he's got his bride. He ought to go like this. Because he understands he can't do this apart from God's grace. And so he hands over to him that which is most precious to him, his daughter. And he says, you guard and you protect that which is of infinite value to me. That's the way we should see the handing over of gospel ministry to the men we have raised up. That's what, that's what Paul is charging Timothy. Entrust this precious, priceless gift to who? Well, he tells us, faithful men. This, as Paul has already reiterated, and I'll reiterate what he said already, faithful here is really synonymous with Christ-like character. There's a lot we can say about it. These are dependable men, reliable men, honorable men, men of holy living, men who, have a, who don't live duplicitous life, men who are the same on the inside of their house as they are on the outside of their house, men who are the same in front of their computer when no one's watching as when they are in the cubicle when the boss is watching. These are honorable men, dependable men with the, with the gospel message, reliable men to protect and preserve the sheep and the Scriptures from being twisted. They are faithful men. But notice, it's not just their character, it's also their competency. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. These must be men of Christ-like character. They also must be men of Christ-like conviction, but they also must be men who have the competency to preach and teach Christ to others. These are the kind of men that we are seeking to raise up in the Shepherd's Institute. These are the kind of men that God calls to ministry. These are the kind of men that the church needs if it's going to continue to propagate gospel message and the gospel ministry for generations to come. And dear loved ones, I believe what we have in this text in many ways is the, is the blueprint of what Christ promised in Matthew 16 when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he builds it one one faithful shepherd at a time who then trains other shepherds at a time and passes the baton and it just keeps going and it cannot be stopped. And that's what we're called to. That's the multi-generational mission that every one of us are involved in. And this church has been blessed by. There's a man you know, his name well, his name is John MacArthur. John MacArthur has blessed 
I dare say all of us, but especially the three of us pastors immensely on multiple levels, and we could probably wax on for hours talking about that. But John MacArthur poured into a, a, a man by the name of Lance Quinn. You know that name if you've been around here very long. Lance Quinn was mentored on many levels by John MacArthur. One man received the baton of gospel ministry. He passed it on to another man by the name of Lance Quinn, who also became a mentor of who? Your pastor, George Lawson. And that man mentored and George served under Lance in Arkansas and continues to be one of his mentors and friends and a man George looks to for wisdom, a man all three of us look to for wisdom and encouragement and love. And so Pastor John mentors Lance. Lance mentors George. He passes the baton. Now George is faithfully, he's preaching and teaching you and raising up men within this church in whom he will pass the baton to. Will you be one of those faithful men? Will you pray for those faithful men? Or will you be one who defects? Will you be one who breaks the chain, so to speak? God will raise up other ones. But do not be that man. Be the onerciferous. Refresh your pastor. Please the Lord by staying faithful to his word and fulfilling the gospel ministry of which we all have been given in some form or fashion to raise up the next generation and pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. I am thankful for this church that is partnering with our church in Grace Community Delaware where we can do this together because we desperately need it. This is how the church survives and thrives by God's design for generations to come. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of it. We thank you for the blessing of being able to be here together, three churches united and represented. Lord, this is unique and not normal, but how refreshing it is. We thank you, O Lord, for the way in which you have blessed us and watched over us and cared for us. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to do that as you strengthen us for this multi-generational mission in which we must be faithful. For the glory of your great name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Baltimore Bible Church. To hear other messages or to find out about upcoming events and where we meet for weekly church services, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. Baltimore Bible Church reserves all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available on our website and includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating all printed media, CDs, and digital files.